Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, tribe. I hope that each and every one of you is feeling grounded, peaceful, and cozy. I just made myself a warm cup of tea, and I wanted to extend that same level of warmth and coziness to you guys, wherever you may be. And I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I was amazed to find out that there are only 11 weeks left before we kickstart a brand new year. And it feels so weird to say that we're moving into 2022 because I honestly feel like 2021 was such a blur. And I don't know if I'm alone in that, but if you feel like you can relate, reach out and let me know because I'm curious to see how everyone else has felt so far about this year. All right, let's jump right into this week's episode where we are talking about burnout, stress, and self-care. But more specifically, I want to shed light on how, just like everything else, self-care has become an industry and how most people end up following very generic recommendations that end up being extremely counterproductive and sometimes do more harm than good. But before we get into that, I want to give you guys a brief overview of the scientific and spiritual causes of burnout so that we have a solid foundation to then build on. So jumping right into the physiology, burnout and fatigue are symptoms that have a number of various underlying causes. And I'm going to list a few of them just to show you guys how complex it actually is. And these include dietary lifestyle choices, nutritional deficiencies, blood sugar dysregulation, sleep dysregulation, low testosterone, infectious disease, autoimmune disease, issues with neurotransmitters, mood disorders, thyroid conditions, electrolyte imbalance, liver disease, and digestive dysfunction. So you can see that there are so many various systems that can be contributing to burnout and fatigue. What all of these conditions and systems have in common is stress. Most of the conditions I mentioned impose a level of stress on the body that then triggers a whole cascade of events. But what I want to focus on in this episode in particular are the mental emotional stressors that result in burnout because that's where we see a lot of people struggling. Whenever I step back and take a look around, I see so many people completely overwhelmed within every aspect of their lives that they are constantly operating from a dysfunctional stress response, which often shows up as them being extremely defensive, reactive, emotionally dysregulated, anxious, and so on and so forth. And I'm sure just with that description, a few individuals may have come to mind for you guys, including even yourself. So let's talk a little bit more about the physiology of the stress response. As I'm sure you guys have probably seen on various posts that I've shared on Instagram, I've made several references to something called the HPA access, which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. So let's break it down a little bit more. So we're all on the same page. So the hypothalamus and pituitary glands are located in the innermost part of the brain in a region referred to as the diencephalon, and the adrenal glands are located on top of the kidneys. The primary function of the hypothalamus is to maintain homeostasis in the body. Now the hypothalamus links the nervous system and the endocrine system via the pituitary gland. So just the hypothalamus pituitary complex alone can be thought of as the command center of the endocrine system, which is the hormonal system of the body. 
In many cases, a stimulus received by the nervous system must pass through this hypothalamus pituitary complex to be translated into hormones that can initiate a response. The adrenal glands produce hormones involved in mediating the stress response, immunity, reproduction, and blood pressure control. So together, this HPA access that I'm referring to is a complex hormone feedback system between the brain and the adrenal glands that controls the stress response and regulates many body processes, including digestion, immunity, mood, emotions, sexual function, and energy. And the adrenal glands are actually involved when it comes to acute stressors as well in terms of initiating the sympathetic fight or flight response, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. And I just wanted to clarify that whole piece on anatomy so that we're all aware of where in the body this level of regulation is taking place. And in the most simple terms, when the body perceives a stressor, this can be anything from emotional to physical to even a perceived stressor, the hypothalamus releases CRH, that triggers the pituitary gland to release ACTH, which then triggers the fight or flight response and the adrenal glands to release cortisol. And cortisol is the most common one that I'm sure most of you have heard of, but you can see how in the grand scheme of things, it's almost the end of the road kind of signal. Now in a normal situation, a stressor would occur and then the body would counter that stress response with a feedback loop telling the body the stress has been addressed and all is well. And then we move into a recovery phase. But what has been happening for decades now is that this feedback loop is no longer initiated because many people are faced with the same constant repetitive stressor without adequate coping mechanisms in place. Now with that in mind, I'm going to cover the three-staged response to stress when it's prolonged, known as the general adaptation syndrome. So the first phase is the alarm reaction phase, which is the first response to stress, the fight or flight system where the HPA access is triggered. And this in turn results in symptoms such as high blood pressure, anxiety, depression, blood sugar dysregulation, poor memory with stress, sleep problems, sugar cravings, and frequent colds and flus. Now, if this phase were to persist, we move into stage two, which is the resistant phase when stress is prolonged and the body cannot counter the response. So this is the phase where you'll feel tired and wired. There's increased need for caffeine and stimulants. There's that afternoon fatigue that most people face. And then there's issues with either putting on or having difficulty losing weight. This also comes with thyroid and fertility issues and digestive issues as well. Now, if this stage continues to persist, we move into stage three, known as the exhaustion phase. So this is where the body becomes depleted of its energy resources by failing to recover from the initial alarm reaction stage. So this is where we see chronic fatigue, non-restorative sleep, insomnia, feeling tired even with 12 plus hours of sleep, dependence now on caffeine and stimulants, nausea, vomiting, loose stools. So now you can see where there's more systems that are being impacted. So what we see happening is that acute or chronic stressors will eventually cause this HPA access that we discussed to move from an over-responsive system that's initially trying to counter that stressor to one that becomes under-responsive or non-responsive. So we go from high cortisol production to very low cortisol production due to the body's inability to keep up. 
Now, a term that I'm sure most of you have run across at some point is something known as quote unquote adrenal fatigue, which really in essence is trying to describe this dysfunction within the HPA access because your adrenal glands can't get fatigued. They can be depleted, but really what's happening is a, there's a dysregulation within the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access which eventually results in low cortisol levels that have been shown to produce clinical symptoms that vary quite vastly. So I'll list a whole bunch of them and you guys can see where on the spectrum you might fall. So low cortisol levels within this whole realm of HPA access dysregulation can result in morning fatigue, sleep disruption, poor concentration and memory, mental fogginess, and inability to stay focused on one task stress-induced fatigue, post-exercise fatigue, a feeling of being paralyzed by fear, feeling unmotivated, craving specifically salt and sweet, and maybe sometimes spicy food for some people, anorexia and nausea, allergies, low blood pressure, early onset menopause, low libido, a general feeling of unwellness where you kind of almost feel like you're always on the verge of having a cold or a flu. There's also a low resistance to stressful events, whether they're real or perceived. So now when a new stressor comes in, you have this inability to cope with it because of what's happening in the body. For others, it might show up as frequent infections and delayed recovery times. For women, it might show up as menstrual irregularities and including an aggravation of PMS. And for some, it might even show up as chronic racing thoughts. So that in short is the biochemistry of what is happening within the stress response in the body. So with that, let's jump right into some of the spiritual and energetic causes of burnout. One of the most common ones is energetically absorbing the condition of others or the world. So this is where we need to make a distinction between sympathy versus empathy. So sympathy implies sharing the feelings of someone who is suffering as if the pain belonged to you as well. And sharing suffering shows a lack of energetic boundaries resulting in emotional exhaustion and burnout. Empathy, on the other hand, is a much higher order of human relationship and understanding because it involves engaged detachment. In empathy, we quote unquote, borrow another's feelings to feel and understand them better, but we don't take it on to ourselves. How I often describe to my patients the difference between sympathy and empathy is if you have this energetic bubble that you're surrounded with, and that bubble has feelers that you can extend into the outside world, you can sample what's happening around you to feel and observe what's going on without it becoming a part of who you actually are. So that just is a really quick dis distinction between those two terms. Another cause of energetic burnout is not being in alignment with your life purpose and passion. So in this scenario, you could be doing nothing at all and still feel exhausted, or you could be doing so much of the wrong things and feeling burnout. Both of these share a common denominator of not following your life path and purpose. So you're either pushing against the grain and forcing something that is not in alignment with your highest self and purpose, which can, it can manifest differently for everyone. For some that might be staying in a relationship that you know is not right for you or staying in careers that are not meant for you and so on and so forth. Another reason why you could be energetically burnt out is due to sensory overload, due to the overstimulation that we see through television, music, social media, and so on. So you are asking your mind and your body to do way too much, which is resulting in burnout. And also you're not connecting to one thing sufficiently enough, which is also causing a lot of confusion and burnout. 
And it's like having 10 meaningless conversations with 10 different people versus connecting with one person and having a deep, meaningful conversation that leaves you feeling overflowing with energy and excitement. Another really common source of energetic burnout is unidentified emotional stressors, which can often include past or present traumas or even ignoring your heart's desires. So this can show up in any aspect of your life, including work, whether it's tension with a colleague or within your relationships where they're just not functioning, but they exist. So they become an underlying source of energetic depletion, overthinking and chronic stress whereby your subconscious mind will begin to try to resolve these issues. So this is, these are the types of issues that will show up in dream space, because if you're not able to resolve them with your conscious mind, your subconscious mind will try to take over. So you'll have repetitive dreams about these scenarios and your mind will constantly try to be resolving something that it feels has been left unaddressed. And the final note that I want to leave you guys with in terms of this whole spiritual energetic realm is one of the most common causes of energetic burnout is neglecting your spiritual needs. So if you refer back to the very first episode, I talked about the various aspects of self and one of the main components is the fact that we are spiritual beings. So if you neglect that part of you, you will forever feel depleted and in tired in a way where you cannot explain it's almost like you feel like your soul needs rest and that is very much a possibility because regardless of how many physical things you throw at it you're still going to feel exhausted so this is where spiritual practices become extremely foundational for you to add that level of healing and therapy in conjunction to the other things that you might be doing so now let's talk about why self-care is actually counterintuitive in most of these situations that we've discussed so far. So now to do this, we have to consider the fact that we live in a world that operates on overdrive and has been dominated by a few aspects of what is known as a wounded masculine energetics. And I'm not referring to gender, I'm referring to energy. And if you aren't aware of what I mean by this, I have an introduction video on this topic on my Instagram page and I'll leave the handle in the show notes so you can go ahead and check that out and I will actually be diving deeper into this topic next week so if you are interested definitely check out and stay tuned for next week's episode but in short masculine and feminine energies are perfect complements that were meant to work in harmony to provide balance and wholeness so when one is out of balance there is a lot that can go wrong so relating to today's topic masculine energy is action focused it's very much based in doing performing and achieving so if you were to look at most of the self-care recommendations many of them are masculine energy dominant because a lot of the self-care tips you hear about are based on doing something which becomes so counterintuitive because we're meeting a situation that's root cause is overwork with more work so most of the time self-care requires action doing something fitting something into your schedule so you can convince yourself that you've done something beneficial and continue carrying on with the same broken narrative. And on top of that, there's this whole false reward chase that's been created where most people are convinced to work super hard to the point of burnout, even if they hate their jobs, because then you will feel like you deserve something for all of that hard work that you've put in. So pretty much you end up chasing this reward your entire life instead of viewing the very essence of life as a miracle and a gift. So if you've been doing the whole self-care thing for years and you're still exhausted, something is missing. 
And as the name implies, it's taking care of self, which isn't just the physical body. You also have mental, emotional, and spiritual needs. But most often people get so fixated on the act of self-care as a physical reward instead of assessing what they actually need. And an example of this would be, let's say the root cause of your burnout and anxiety is related to your thyroid gland, and you're over here taking B12 iron and adaptogens based on someone else's recommendations, and you end up A, not getting anywhere with it, B, ignoring the root cause of it, and C, creating further burnout and frustration because nothing seems to be working. Now, what most people need to be doing is decreasing their to-do list and determining the source of their stress to begin with. So you either, once you determine the source of stress, you either change your perception of it or you remove the stressor completely. So what's missing from self-care is the feminine essence, which is rooted in resting, stillness, solitude, and being instead of doing. Self-care can look like just unplugging from the world to prevent hyperstimulation, overthinking, and distractions. It can also look like sitting quietly in nature and disengaging from external stimuli and turning your focus and attention inwards. So as you can see here, the very first step to self-care is actually connecting to self, tapping into your heart space and seeing what it is that you really need. What aspect of your life needs to be replenished? Do you need a mental break or an emotional break? Do you need spiritual rejuvenation? Do you simply need to connect to the present moment and shift away from overanalyzing and processing so much? Or do you need to find your life purpose? So getting really clear on what it is that you specifically need can start to then help you formulate the most effective step to take to then feel rejuvenated and actually care for yourself. So you can see that regardless of how many baths that you take or masks you put on your face, if you aren't addressing the root cause of your stress, you're simply decorating your stress with some fancy face treatment. And if you guys remember back in the very first episode, I talked about how we live in a world that is largely consumed by the needs of the physical body. And most often self-care falls under that category as well, where a lot of the recommendations include things such as going to the spa, getting a massage, taking a bath, and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying these things aren't helpful. They're extremely helpful, but they should be used as tools in conjunction with doing the inner work as well. Because if you're continually ignoring your triggers or living in suffering and pain and self-loathing, you're perpetually remaining stuck in a false trap of self-care where you're superficially convincing yourself that what you were doing and that what was recommended to you is somehow going to make you feel better. So caring for yourself can include choosing healthier foods, avoiding substances that are harmful to your body, disengaging from conversations that are harmful to your mind. You don't actually have to be physically doing an activity. Sometimes all you need to do is lighten your already heavy to-do list. So self-care can be as simple as saying, I love myself, which then opens up a brand new avenue for growth because then you begin to say things such as, I love myself enough to stop surrounding myself by people that make me question my worth. I love myself enough to reduce my workload because I wasn't created to work my life away and then be granted a momentary source of pleasure as a reward for that. So self-care needs to be who you are at your core. So every decision that you make reflects that level of care and acceptance of yourself. And the final note that I want to leave you guys with is if you're feeling overburdened, overwhelmed, or at your threshold with stress, 
Your self-care can look as simple as shutting your eyes and sitting in silence for a few moments to allow yourself to tap into your heart space and into your soul. If your mind wants to run off and do what it needs to allow it, you don't need to control the mind. You just sit there in silence and you allow yourself to just be. You don't need to chase after anyone else's recommendations or dreams. You don't need to be constantly doing something out of fear of falling behind. You just simply need to exist and allow yourself to be who you were always meant to be. So if this inspires you, go out and sit in nature for for even a few minutes and don't do anything. Just sit there and observe because when you're connecting with nature, you're connecting to something that isn't requiring an energetic exchange from you. It's actually, nature is very giving. It'll give to you as much as it needs and it asks for nothing in return. So with that, let's jump right into this week's episode prompts to get you guys reflecting on today's topic. So prompt number one is, which area or areas of my life are unnecessarily depleting my energy? Prompt number two, in which areas can I pull back and do less in order to live a life that is more aligned with my highest self? And number three, I actually want you guys to come up with on your own, and that is an idea for self-care that involves you just being present instead of doing anything at all. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul podcast. I've already given next week's episode topic away. So join me next week where I discuss in depth the essence of masculine and feminine energies, the importance of them and how they might show up in a wounded pattern and how that might manifest as disease in the body. So until next time, enjoy the rest of your week.